0: Welcome back to the Leading People First podcast. This is part two of our three-part episode where we're talking with the amazing Celia Daniels. If you haven't already listened to part one, go back and listen to Celia's story and what she's gone through in her journey to get to where she is today. In this portion of the episode, we'll be talking about corporate diversity, equity, and inclusion, and the importance of allyship and community activism. Now let's dive into part two of this episode. So one of the first topics that uh, we really want to focus on is your work in corporate engagement and DEI. So why don't you tell us a little bit, you know, you touched on it a little bit, but tell us a little bit more about why it's so important, um, why DEI is so important in the workplace, why this education in the workplace is so so important.
1: Right. Um, This is one of my favorite topics because I remember I did an experiment, which was very unusual. (laughs) So after my, uh, my last job what i did was i i i I took my resume and i put my name as celia and then there was always daniels in my resume because i have 23 plus years of experience working in industry um so i didn't want those experience to go wasted and i took my resume with me and i went as celia um, to these companies almost 30 companies i've sent my resume across um and i applied for jobs as celia and i said i'm a community activist and here's my professional and I'm, I'm also doing a lot of work in the community um i got only i never got any calls you know there was only one interview i took in um, salesforce at the time and uh, they didn't like my resume for some reason you know um but i remember trying and applying for other uh, companies or lots of companies and they all looked at my resume and I said, oh, wow, you have amazing experience. And, um, you know, can we give you a job as uh, you know, someone who can just uh, like an individual contributor? And I remember there was one lady from a senior vice president from a financial company. She told me that, Celia, your resume is amazing and I want to present it to my my senior leadership. And um, that was like a hope for me. Wow, <laughs> I really wanted that job. And I, I told them that, look, um, can you get me one interview and I can impress your, your um, board or your committee? And then she, uh, and I told her one quote thing that please, um, if, if they deny my, uh, you know, if they don't want to meet me, I understand, but please tell me on my face that Celia because of this reason. But don't mince your um, feedback based on this. She came back to me after two weeks and said, Celia, I tried my best, but I want you to understand that my board is, um, you know, our executive team is full of white, um, uh, conservative people. <laughs> and um, and she was very honest because they were trying their best to bring in diversity in their organization. And I I didn't take the job. I mean, I, I didn't even try for an interview. I didn't go for the job. And I remember what I did was, um, so for six months, I've been trying as Celia. And then um, after that, I just for one month, I I put on my pants and my suit and I, I, I tried for some jobs. <laughs> and I took off everything that's Celia from my resume. There was no community activist, nothing. It was just a plain vanilla resume of my experience. And it was like a really, really um, businessman kind of resume. Mm-hmm. I got three interviews in one month. And no questions asked. My interview was just like please tell us what to do. And I told them and they said, okay, when can you join? Um, Because my professional experience is very, uh, I think it's very much, uh, and I have done a lot of work in that domain. Um, People were impressed and they wanted to give me a job, but not as Celia, but I wanted to work as Celia. And I didn't take those jobs, I didn't go for the interview because I I couldn't work as Celia. And I saw so much of disparity in the companies. And a lot of these companies that I'm talking about that I applied are all open to LGBTQ community. And everyone had a pink flag and every, every company was really good. And then I asked uh, HRC, why is your corporate equality index for this company 100% and they don't even have too many trans people in that company? And uh, they said, Celia, we don't have an answer. Can you tell us how to change it? And I said, okay, that's good. You know, you're actually now looking at a problem, and you want to solve it. So I uh, also started working with my clients. But I can connect you with organizations that can change your DNI, and that was not my focus. I was doing IT strategy, I was doing business consulting. <laughs> but I looked at these companies, and I was thinking, wow, I'm actually in this space, literally in this space, and I can help them. So I did a branding exercise for a small startup company in Orange County, and I felt like, you know. I did a research on almost uh, 100 uh, fortune 500 companies, only the 100 of the fortune 500 companies. And I looked at them and went into the board level. And everyone had one colored person in their board, maybe one person just for the sake of it. You know, it didn't look like they really meant it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see too much of diversity. A lot of them, financial companies, always had white men, uh, old conservative people in that. Uh, maybe the fa- the fashion industry had um, you know one or two women in them in the boat i 'm not talking about the sea level people at all i 'm talking about the boat of the companies and that 's where I think change needs to happen because um, I was thinking the the change doesn 't happen at the sea level because sea level folks are just wanting to make their money and, in the wall street and I said, you know these are just pink washing companies companies are just pink washing." They're not really doing anything. They just want diversity. But when it comes to inclusion, they don't have too many initiatives. They don't spend too much of money and in inclusion activities. Um, they do hire diversity folks. They do hire vice presidents and say that, hey, we're going to have a diversity officer, chief diversity officer, and they get fired very soon. You know, and that's very unfortunate. And I know a couple of um, chief diversity officers who were in a company and they're just out now because. You know, the, there's no. They don't have a. a con, I would say a constant, continuous um, process of making it happen. It's a. It's a constant, um, seamless, continuous, habitual mm-hmm. thing that you need to put into your company. It can't be like a one-time activity. You know, Black Lives Matter okay, Blah blah blah. We're going to hire all black people. It doesn't work that way. You know, you're just being reactive. You have to be proactive. Even before Black Lives Matter, if your company had a lot of black population within your workforce, then you're doing something right. And that's your great model. Now, another thing that I am uh, I always talk about is integration. Um, diversity and inclusion, and diversity, equity, and inclusion is fine. But I talk about integration. Now, what is integration and how is it different? If you are... Um, going for coffee and you're just, you know, telling your trans um, friend, hey, um, you're my company, uh, you know, glad you're joining. So we go to, we go for coffee, uh, would you like to come? And the person would say, wow, I feel included and I'm happy. So they will go for coffee. The next day they'll go for coffee again, because they'd say, hey, we're going for coffee, would you like to join us? Sure. And then if I get calling this person for the next two days, <laughs> then what happens is um, they have not put a process in place. So the person doesn't know that they have to wait for coffee or, you know, who is going to call them for coffee. They're just waiting there. And that's how trans people feel sometimes because many times what I've known is um, there is always this um, reactive way of doing things. And I have seen that companies need to integrate. You need to have a process in place. Where you can say that um, you know on Fridays or every day at 10:30 we go to coffee, coffee bean. We go to Starbucks, you know, at this location here. Or let's go downstairs to the first floor, and I'll meet you there. And we meet every day at 10 a.m. Now that is a process, and that is something that you're integrating into your uh, framework of your company, and it's that's what companies need to do. And it has to be constant, and that change in framework has to come in the policy level. It should come in the HR and policy level. It also has to come in the legal level and also the security level of your company, you know, when you're putting this uh, process together. So I think companies need to bring in those policies and create this change, not just include. Include is like, yeah, yeah, come over. (laughs) Include is very reactive. Now integration is proactive and also very strong and methodical and a process-oriented and a process-driven framework and that is what companies need to look for not just the dni and overreacting to it and everybody's like yeah i i support black people what were you doing in the past 20 years <laughs> what, what are you doing and that's my question you suddenly don't wake up and say i've been supported to black friends you know that's that's a shame i know you are I'm trying to be good but that's basically what you should have always been doing um you can't kind just of suddenly wake up and say oh no i think there is a problem but if you don't know you have to be willing to learn also yeah. so some of the things that i've been doing is you know learning about the systemic uh, discrimination for 400 years and um you know speaking up against people who are saying marginalizing the black community marginalizing marginalizing the transgender community standing up and speaking up for them you know that's when um and building allyships within these companies are so important, actually. So, DNI, uh, you know, activities are great, DNI initiatives are great, the ERG groups are great within your company. But at the same time, you also need to start thinking about allyship too. So, when you have these programs, make sure that people who are, if you have an LGBTQ um, uh, meeting, What you wanna do is invite people who are interested in being supportive to LGBTQ meetings, people also in the meeting, Mm -hmm. because they can be a part of the meeting and it should be for allies also, not just LGBTQ folks. So when you see a friend, John or Smith or someone sitting next to you, and they are just your allies, you feel so encouraged. Because tomorrow, if you're getting bullied in your meeting room, and if you are kind of de- you know marginalized because you have a great idea and someone is just stealing your idea your friend john or smith is going to stand up and say hey uh, this is celia's idea and they're not going to you know put you down they will stand up for you and that ha- that's the sim- same thing with uh, a latino community uh, island of pacific community veterans, women also right it's um, so so important that when you are allies the DNI group in a company, I, I believe they're like holding hands to, you know, standing next and holding hands um, to each other. And when something happens to one group, they are moving forward and trying to help them. And that's how I look at it. You know, it's like a chain where you're just moving forward and also dragging them along with you. You're saying that I know you're struggling and I will walk with you. And there are times when I can't walk myself and you're gonna drag me and you're gonna pull me and say, Celia. I understand the trans community is going through difficulties, so I will, I will walk. I will you. drag your hand. Walk with me. DNI groups need to have those, those kind of pictures in mind and create such a huge change. You know, proactive. Always be proactive and uh, be innovative in your DNI groups too. You know, it's not just a bunch of policies, but put ideas, project ideas, project creativity and say that hey with, when the more the diversity the larger the creativity uh, i read a le- recent article in uh, mckinsey's research it looks like every company wants to talk about diversity but when it comes to inclusion the companies are kind of stepping back a little bit you know they are like a little shy there <laughs> so i kind of these are numbers are already there you know there is an article from mckinsey that was there last year or the year before um, but that's where I think change needs to happen in the DNI circles.
0: Yeah, there's there's a difference between inclusion and acceptance, right? And I think mm-hmm. right now what we're seeing is we have a lot of organizations that's saying, yeah, we we are uh, we want to have a diverse workforce, we want to be inclusive, we accept all of these people, uh, but when it comes to actually putting money where their mouth is that inclusive piece that action piece is not there something i've said in the past is um you know this is not a moment right Mm -hmm. Um, gay pride in the summer in june july is not a moment it is a movement it is something that we have to continually progress and integrate into our lives and get and and into our minds right we have to change our mindsets right? Black lives matter is not a moment right We have these protests they seem like specific points in time but they are mo- complete movements that we need to progress and we need to change that is what we're I fighting like for yeah mm-hmm. um, you know so I, like yeah. I mean you know you look at uh, also as you just said where we we need allyship right mm-hmm. if we the one of the reasons why, Again, well, I'll go to the Black Lives Matters movement is so s- taking hold such so strongly right now is because it is a group of individuals who are not black, who are also standing up and raising awareness. Normally, if you have groups that are either underrepresented or, mar- uh, or marginalized or disenfranchised groups and they make, you know, they start shouting and saying, this is not okay it's very easy for people to look at them, lump them in that group, whatever group they're in and say, Oh, you're just complaining because that's just like your, that's your group. But Mm -hmm. if you start bringing more focus and a spotlight with other voices to lift those groups up, then that's when you really start looking at it at a bigger picture. And you say, wow, yeah, this is, this is bigger than it is. So, you know, going, going back to that integration piece, and and making this a sustained movement i mean how do organizations really integrate the lgbt community and employees like what do they do besides you know creating these processes like what does that look like what what i i'm curious what that looks like uh based on your experience
1: yeah um so i have uh, spoken to a lot of organizations as to how do you implement your dni model and um uh, I think fundamentally it has to start from training and education. So training departments need to have a fragment uh, where they are talking about a framework, I would say, putting the, uh, you know, the trans policies in place, especially for gender, non-binary restrooms. Um, You know, there's a lot of um, ways in which you can bring in uh, different ideas, but I think it's important to have it in your training program where you You talk about different policies, uh, benefits that are explained clearly, and um, also try to make sure that your, I would say, your company needs to be involved in the community. That's another important thing. You can't run your company, then just donate money to the community without being involved. People don't like that. So only when your company, uh, the people in your company are working in the community, right? I mean, they're living in the community. I'm sorry. Um, so you need to be caring uh, towards the community and understanding the issues that they're facing in the community. So it can be addressed in a much better way in, in the company. So the policies, policy level has changes have to come in the company. And uh, also, the, the, I would say that any change in the DNI shouldn't come from just the CEO. It's not, the changes don't happen in the letterhead of the company. Changes happen in the heart, heart of the company, where the people are heart the hearts of the people. So it's so important to always make sure that you are not just enforcing, but you're kind of empowering the people. You can't enforce ideas. That's one thing we need to know. And it's always a top-down and a bottoms-up level and also the middle level. So at the junior level, we need to do it. Interns, l- Intern level, at the middle management level, at the senior management level, at the executive level in the company, we need to have this. And it also needs to be the charter of the CEO. You know, the CEO needs to have this as one of the goals in his mission statement, that em- empowering employees is so important. You know, they need to have that. Um, so there are lots of ideas that we can bring in that are so practical. So one um, simple idea that I would give for trans people um, when you're working in a transgender community is if you put your name and say she, her, you can say, you know, Joanne, she, her. And Joanne is a cisgender woman, but she wants to still put she, her. Then actually, uh, it, it, it conveys a lot, you know, when you put your pronouns there and it helps the trans people understand that wow this is great you know i i like someone who is using their pronouns and their names which means that they are my allies they are approachable mm-hmm. and uh, this is something that we need to inculcate even in your email signature you can say you know my name is celia sanga daniels i go by she her pronouns then people will ask you the question hey you are you're a cisgender woman why and you're a woman um, they might say, Joanne, right? not not to me, but to Joanne, that you are a woman, why are you still using she, her? But she's going to say, this is the way I want to bring a change within the company. When I start doing it, people will start doing it. They will know why we are doing it. And that's the kind of culture we want to inculcate in our company. These are simple, small ways in which you can bring in change within your company. And I can uh, talk in length and I've also discussed about, you know, how serious are you with the budget? How much money do you want to allocate for the dni program what are your goals how active do you want to be you know create and take people from your employees to be a part of those initiatives don't just pick and choose only from the hr they can be from a different group they can be from quality compliance from r d research from commercial sales and marketing whatever and make them be a part of your initiative when you have executive sponsors like that then your uh, DNI initiatives will really flourish mm-hmm. because they're all there. You know, it gives more, a lot more visibility, and uh, at every sea level, they will start uh, thinking about it. So, um, I mean, I can go on and on, um, but I just wanted to just focus on a few aspects before. Um, security also is important, right? Security is important. Uh, legal is important. How do you bring in the ID uh, when your uh, gender doesn't match your? Uh, your ID right how do you deal with that Um, you've applied for your name change and it's not come so for me it was fun because um, I'm a gender non-binary person so when I went as um, I have a badge that says Daniels and I don't have a Celia's badge in my company when I work and I do my consulting so I told them that hey I know you're giving me a badge as Daniels but can you give me a badge as Celia and uh, so when I work in my client side they give me a badge based on my identity that day and I'll say okay I'm coming in as Celia and then you get a badge as Celia so when I go in as Daniels I get a badge as Daniels so there are there are ways in which you can do it and then you, you will put that in your company note also and you don't have to reveal your birth um, identity if suppose my birth name is uh, Daniels um, and suppose let's say I've transitioned um, you don't have to uh, you know the, the HR and the legal folks do not have to reveal your uh, your. Uh, identity in any way you know you can be using your you can always use your preferred um, pronouns and your preferred name so lots of ways in which you can bring changes um, within the organization but I think the the most complicated one is the transgender community where you have gender identity issues you have the past certificates your you know credentials that you've worked Everything is going to be different on a different name, and your identity is going to be changed. So, um, at all levels, and also the uh, medical benefits will be different for trans people. So, there's so much of areas where companies need to make changes, and that's why some companies are like, no, I'm not going to really care about it. Um, so, companies that have really been active and uh, you know taken a needle, move the needle, are the companies that are really, really creative and are really. Uh, doing a great job
0: yeah well, um that you know that kind of triggers in my mind um, you know, inconvenience is not an excuse to mm-hmm. not be inclusive, right? Inconvenience is not an excuse to uh, to fix inequities in the organization. you just because it is going to take some work, it's gonna cost. A little, it's going to cost money. Uh, does not mean that you should not be uh, implementing these systems, these policies. Again, if you truly are striving to be an inclusive organization, a- an equitable organization, these are th- these are no long these are not optional in my mind, right? These are absolutely uh, required so yeah a lot of a lot of great uh information and and i know that you have a lot more so um you know Mm -hmm. well as we talk more um or as as we wrap up later um we can share more of the resources that you have
1: yeah absolutely
0: so i want to go into the next topic which is your work as a community activist so Mm -hmm. tell us what you're working on what what areas you see as uh, areas that, you know, all people every day can start um, contributing to their communities.
1: So um, I think when you you see things around you and uh, when human beings are being, as a human being, when you're compassionate to another human being, uh, you can't just sit and watch things, you know, you always want to get involved. I'm one of those people who want to stand near the manhole when water's flowing and stand there and say, hey, don't, you know, there is a pothole right here. Uh, You want to be careful. So for me, if I know that there is a danger, I want to go there and stand and tell people that, hey, there's a danger here. So being cognizant of the fact that people are struggling and how do you change it? It kind of came into me because of my parents. Um, while we were kids, uh, my parents were always helping the um, the uh, underprivileged community back in India. And I remember uh, going and standing and playing guitar <laughs> uh, and then inviting kids and giving them candy while we called the parents and checked their eyes. And my mom used to do that. Uh, my dad used to talk to people. And as a family, we did a lot of things. And that's what is in me uh, today. You know, that I, I have the same kind of... Uh, uh, Thing going on in my life, and uh, I remember after uh, that the the news clipping that came out uh, after my first story in Simi Valley, um, it was a little bit discouraging, and I was thinking to myself as to what do I do to change it? You know, what can I do? You know, what can Celia do? I'm a brown person in a very strange place, <laughs> and uh, I really can't do much here. You know, nobody will listen to me. But um, when I started Projecting, I started talking about my life as, as itself, um, which was actually one step up. Uh, it kind of gave me an opportunity for people to, hey, Celia, we want to hear your story. Tell us your story. So I used to listen. I used to tell my story. And I will also ask them that, tell me your story. I want to listen to your story. And they said, oh, I've lost my daughter uh, recently in Santa Barbara in a shooting. Then I was so compassionate to that. And I said, can I stand up for you? Can I stand with you? And when you're holding the board that my daughter got shot. So I was standing for gun violence. You know, I was standing, my daughter actually lost her friend in the borderline gun violence. So I became, uh, I would say, you know, a gun control activist and I was standing there in those lines and fighting against that. When I saw the kids being locked up in uh, in the cages, it was heartbreaking to me because as a child, I was abused by my uncle and by my cousin. And when I saw these children were also being abused in those places, my heart just went out because I could relate to it. You know, when you're completely in the clutches of these people and they're monsters, you know, they, they try to do that to you. You can't do that to little children that way. And it's such a bad thing to do. You know, my heart just went out and I stood for that. And I stood for uh, a lot of things that was going on, and especially with the uh, Black Life movement. I did talk about it in the beginning. I spoke to my Black friends, and I asked them, how can I help you? And I'm a brown person. They said, first, educate yourself, senior, because if you can speak to your community about us, then that's that's all we need. We want you to do. And uh, I did that too. And there were another time where I also went to the police station in LAP in uh, Hollywood where I had spoken about the violence towards, uh, this was much before Black Lives Matter. I was talking about two years back. Um, and I was standing and helping them to understand about transgender community when there is a lot of violence and you know, especially when you're driving and you don't have your, your ID doesn't match your gender and you're kind of worried about getting caught. So I was like training the, I was talking to the police department and we had some conversations with them as to how we can change it and i was in different groups uh, even in the big behavioral health i gave some you know i was starting to tell my story everywhere i had a platform to share my story
0: mm-hmm.
1: even in the colleges they wanted to hear my story so i used my that platform to tell my stories to the students um i went to certain churches where they were open to hearing my story and i started telling them and then i also went back to india <laughs> where I actually grew up and the places where I have lived in India and the community that is so ostracizing to people like us. So I went there and I also started meeting some of the Hijra community, actual Hijra community. And I started telling my story to them and I sat down with them and I started crying with them because I told them, you came out and you are struggling and I did not come out. And so I'm here today to help you. So I started doing a lot of those uh, while I was in India. I started working with activists in India to to help them in different ways, changing policies, uh, helping them uh, economically in terms of empowering them to uh, teach them to do some kind of a profession. Could be art, could be uh, learning culinary art, anything that they could learn. So I, I started doing a lot of work, working with too many organizations. <laughs> uh, I worked with the Latino community and also defined the um, policy for California Endowment. It's Trans-Latino Coalition. I worked with them. Um, and I worked with so many organizations. And finally, I, I decided to work with Transcan work as a in the board level because I thought I have a lot of corporate experience and I can make a change in the corporate side. So I'm, a, I'm currently the Executive Board Secretary for Transcan Work, as I mentioned earlier. We do a lot of trainings. And I'm also a part of the, I mean, the Vice President of, um, you know, Stole One Democrats, where we educate a lot of the Democratic uh, community too. Um, and I've gone to all the Democratic clubs and I've educated them on how do we change some of these policies, especially with healthcare. I remember a time, um, I was in a town hall meeting where we were also fighting for um this, the school board issues well they didn't want to have LGBTQ education for school board I remember telling my story as to if I, that kind of education was there I probably would have been better my parents would have been more understanding so I also went to the school board level and we had meetings and we had open house uh, I mean open houses where I was able to share my story and ask them to you know, make a change there I've also gone to one of the uh, place that I, it just, yeah, of course, I met the congresswoman here. I told my story and I was, um, um, interestingly, no, this is interesting because I came out um, to a healthcare meeting where it was just a lot of, and I was the only trans person in the entire um, a meeting of 200 people. And uh, they were all allies and uh, they were asking about, hey, what are the health care issues we're facing today in your community? And I stood up and I started talking about the issues trans people are going through. And they were like, wow, can we take a picture of you? And I said, sure. I said, what are you going to do with the picture? They said, no, we're going to Kamala Harris. I said, okay, go, go to Kamala Harris and tell what our stories are. So this was like two years back. And they took my picture. They actually made a collage out of it. And then they went to Kamala Harris and said... <laughs> hey these are all the issues we are having in our community and how can we change it you know what is your position as a senator a lot of things uh, you know i had done and uh, i also got a human rights uh, award from hrc uh, in 2019 where they gave me an award for my community service so i didn't i didn't want to be a community <laughs> and, uh, you know activist but it just it just happened uh, it's I think when you are concerned about the community, it just comes as a part of who you are. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I have done a lot of work in the community, worked with different groups. Um, but I the most I enjoy is uh, always uh, educating students because my daughter is 20 years old. And, uh, you know, she accepted me in 25 minutes. <laughs> um, when I came out to her uh, when she was 15 years old, and I want to educate the younger generation because I think they are the pathways for our future. You know, I don't want to just build monuments for ourselves. And we just want to give them a pathway, help them educate so that they'll be compassionate leaders tomorrow. And that's what I saw in my daughter. And because of my daughter, my wife also changed. You know, she was like, wow, if my daughter is able to accept her father, why can't I, why am I having a hard time accepting my husband? You know, that changed her. And um, so, a lot of activi- activism I, I did also during COVID time. More than 25 podcasts I've done uh, both here and in India. It's so easy to sit in a call and talk about it. And also, uh, a lot of organizations call me and ask me to educate how do you implement DNI processes? So I've been doing that as well. And one last thing that I wanna to touch upon is last week I had an opportunity to talk to the California Nurses Association, uh, close to, I think it was all the directors of the community colleges across um, uh, California. And uh, they were on the call and I was talking about how you can bring a change in healthcare system, You know, from the provider, payer, um, pharmaceutical companies, and also policymakers. And I put a 4P and I explained to them and I shared some of the challenges that they are facing for the trans communities facing. So, a lot of work. I mean, I just constantly find opportunities everywhere. And uh, I am in a group of uh, 30, 40, um, I would say, therapists in our community where they added me to that group. And I'm not even a therapist, you know. <laughs> I <not> need therapy. <laughs> I told them, You need to give me therapy. Why am I putting you in all these groups? Why are you putting me in all these groups? I said, No, Celia, you have a lot of. Wisdom, you wanted want want to learn from you, so I did that too. I connected them with my support groups. We started a couple of support groups and called it Fluid. Um, and we changed the support group that was actually called PFLAG uh, originally in Simi Valley, the church that I came out. And now we call it as fluid, where we have an entire spectrum of, you know, gender non-binary, trans, uh, LGBTQ, pansexual, trans I mean, pansexual, um, bisexual, any kind of sexuality. We don't care. We just want you to be in the LGBTQ spectrum, and we are there for you. And uh, that's how we kind of created these uh, support groups. And people are still coming. Even in fact, tonight I have a support group. Now, you know, I'm part of the support group and I love, love, love talking to my, the parents whose children are coming out. Um, So my heart still goes out to what I'm doing. I hope I have the energy to keep doing what I'm doing. (laughs) I mean, it's just going on. I'm still helping uh, some of my trans folks in LAPD too, because they are also having a lot of issues that um, they spoke to me about. So I've connected them with some therapists today. So wherever I I feel that human beings need help. Um, to my uh, contacts in the network that I have, I always, um, you know, leverage that and try to help them out.
0: That's a long answer. I <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I hope uh, you <laughs> never lose that fire. You, you always have that uh, the yeah. energy to do it. Um, there's a lot of amazing work that you're doing and it, it shows that just because you fight for one thing doesn't mean you can't fight for another. Right. I feel like there's a lot of people who think, well, if I fight for, um, like you said, right, like gun control or, you know, uh, or, you know, uh, let's take, you know, mothers against drunk driving or um, whatever, whatever you want to fight for in your community for some reason there's like a, well, that's what I am going to fight for. That is my lane. I'm staying in that lane. I'm sticking there. I'm not going to move or do anything else. And that actually hurts the the community also because then you have a limited mindset, a limited resource mindset where you're saying, you know, I'm fighting for this cause and not those causes. So I have to get everything I can for this cause Whereas if you all work together and can help promote each other or work across and promote multiple organizations and, and, and uh, boards or whatever, or, or programs, then you can help all of them at the same time. It doesn't necessarily have to be one or another. The thing that I want to know is based on your experience, you know, what can organizations do and leaders do to be more involved uh, in their community?
1: That's an amazing question. And um, I'm always fascinated by the leadership in an organization. If the leadership in an organization is not strong enough, if they don't have a servant mentality, servant leadership mentality, um, it's very difficult to change the organization because the leaders can either make or break the organization. And unfortunately, a lot of organizations today where they have people who are very successful in Wall Street, but they are really, they are really a failure in the community. Mm-hmm. And I've seen leaders who made uh, all these kind of statements that are damaging to people who are minorities. And uh, yeah, of course they have great credentials, you know, they are great. So it's important to have a servant leadership mindset. And that is so important. And a leader is always a person who creates leaders. A leader is not someone where he wants people to follow him, but a leader is a person who always empowers people who are following him. And that is what I think I want to see in a leader. And even in the organizations that I have worked with or organizations that I've joined, to me, if I see the CEO um, of an organization who is much involved in the community, and not just at a paper level not just at a social media level but actually seeing them there
0: yeah.
1: and seeing them in a in a you know in, in, in the breast cancer awareness seeing them in um, life matter black life matters uh, any of the moments that are happening when i see leaders actually standing out there holding the hands of their employees and saying that i'm here to fight for you now that is a leadership that i want and I'll be so happy to join those companies. You know, um, I think, um, as I was mentioning earlier, it's so important for the companies to be involved in the community. And that's the dynamics that I see these days. You know, youngsters and millennials always want to work with a company and the leaders who are compassionate about the environment. They're compassionate about people. They're compassionate about causes that are relevant for them. And if they don't see that kind of leadership, I don't think they're going to be empowered even if the salary is really high. Because all they want to do is work for a company where they find a meaningful experience being in a company, not just financial experience. Mm -hmm. Because you can get paid really well, but if you're not treated well, they won't work for long. You know, They'll be out in six months or one one year. But if you want to retain your employees, and I think that's where... (laughs) I'm uh, I'm I'm reiterating again that servant leadership is so so critical, and I'm also learning a lot. And I've learned that in my experience leading a team of uh, 600 people, um, you know, just in India and having around 150 people uh, just um, in in my uh, on-site location, uh, working with people, and I always was time uh, spending a lot of time with people and listening to them and one of the important things as a leader is also listening to people learning from people understanding them and also making a change
0: yeah that will do it for part two please insert disc c to listen to the third and final part of the conversation with celia where we talk about christianity celia's intersectionality around ethnicity religion and culture how we need to accept ourselves over changing ourselves and of course leading people first and the importance of valuing human beings.